Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast, a Manchester City podcast, of course, hosted by me, Ian Cheeseman, uh, who's been a lifelong City fan, uh, BBC journalist, podcaster, vlogger, author, writer, you name it, I've done it, associated with City down the years, hosted the Junior Blues, everything, so... Uh, I just love my life as a as a City fan. As I always say, it's great to be a Blue. Now, our special guest this week, I'll introduce you for us in a second, um, is a former City player, of course, um, but a, a player who played under Howard Kendall and in the era when um, there was a bit of Everton influence, as it were, at Manchester City. Peter Reid was around there and Adrian Heath and, and lots of other players. So we'll we'll talk to uh, my guest in a moment. We've got two of the uh, special members of our team as well, the Forever Blue team. But first of all, a big shout out to Counting King, who are a company that specialise in helping businesses. So if you run a business or you're involved in running a business, um, or you could just be an employee who's involved in a company, uh, and you need some help with loans, with R&D tax credits. This is research and development. And then I can tell you Counting King are pretty good at what they're doing. They are very fast growing. They're based in Salford at Salford Keys. And I know that somebody who listened to the podcast just a couple of weeks ago rang them up, said, listen to you on the Forever Blue podcast and talk to Gary. And he was, I know he was very helpful to them and, uh, and, and you know, trying to help them save loads of money. So it works. Give them a try. And also thanks to Amar Development UK, who are uh, big developers of properties all around the world, actually. But most notably in our area, that's the Manchester area, the big pyramid that's been developed into a two-level event centre and state-of-the-art restaurant. So thanks very much to them for their support. Now, that special guest I was talking to you about is Mark Ward, former city winger. And my two guests from the Forever Blue podcast team are Toby and Andy. So welcome to everybody. City's last game, as we're recording this on Sunday evening, was the trip down to Bournemouth, a 1-0 victory. And I don't know how much of City you get to see, Mark. Um, I'm sure he's floating in and out of it from time to time. I don't know how much of an opinion or a judgment you would have on how City are playing at the moment. But my view is that City are not playing at their absolute best at the moment. And they've got big games coming up against Manchester United next weekend, Liverpool the weekend after, Luton Town in the FA Cup. Where do you see where City are at the moment, Mark? Are they are they destined to d repeat what they did last year and win a lot of trophies, or are you worried about them? I'm not worried about the, the league position. I think uh, Liverpool have done so well this season. And Arsenal, you know, seen them the other week. Uh, and they, since they've signed Declan Rice, I think they've improved quite a lot because I've, I've seen Declan play a lot at West Ham because they go to most of their games. Um didn't fancy him at first when he first got into the team. Thought he was a bit wasn't mobile, but the kid really improved month by month. He's a he's a good player, and uh, I knew City were interested in him, but I don't think he's as good as Rodri. Uh, so, but they've improved so much, Arsenal. So, you know, I think the thing that's happened this season in, in the Premier League is that the other sides have caught up a little bit, and it's going to be you know it's going to be tight. I think it's not going to be uh, plain sailing for City, but. I think when you look at the squad, and uh, Pep always seems to have the answers, really. And I think, you know, I think they'll go all the way and win the Premier League again. What do you think the reason is that City's scoring at the moment has dipped a little because they've got Haaland back up there, and obviously he he was exceptional last season with the goal scoring that he did. But at the moment, 
um, dare I suggest, he's slightly struggling to find the back of the net. Is there a reason for that? Because I've had a lot of City fans wondering the very same thing. Listen, it happens to all centre forwards, doesn't it? Now he's not a he's not a robot. He's not a machine. He's a human being, and you know I've seen some of his chances, some of his headers recently. He's usually unbelievable, and he's just, he's missed the targets. I think with City. When I look at the rest of the squad, there's not many players there that score a lot of goals and they'd rely on him. So it's so important. If he gets injured, uh, you know, and the, he's out for a spell, that's where I think they might struggle because they haven't really got much backup, have they, really, when I think about it. I presume when you were playing, you'd have loved to have played with a, a player like Harlan in the middle because, you know, you were a winger. So your yeah. main drink was supplying people like that, wasn't it? I'll be honest with you, it's like, I've always said, Big Quinny arrived and, uh, you know, Howard done brilliant to sign him. And uh, I always remember the great Liam Brady, he came back from Italy and I was at West Ham and he said, John Lyle, the great manager at West Ham, he said, I told John to sign Quinny. You know, he gets in the team and then he's not even on the bench the week after because Arsenal had a good, he had a good forward line, Charlie Nicholas and a couple of other good centre forwards. And then when Howard signed him, he worked on his touch and, he was he was an unbelievable player when he for City, and uh, he had a great career. And for me to play with a big, big striker, it, it was great. And I always remember, uh, I think one of the games was I used to take the corners on the right hand side, and I, I think we were, we were two one down. I'd scored a pen to equalise two one down. Media just took over, and I was sprinting to to the the corner, the Anfield Road, and I put the ball down, and I just knew it was just clockwork, bang. Uh, penalty spot and I, and I thought as soon as he hit it it's like a golf swing I thought it's perfect big man just get your head on it and he just he, he just rolls above everybody else and like he put it right into the, the angle and we drew 2-2 two, two. last kick of the game really and it was like it was like beating them really the, you know they thought they'd won the game and uh, but to me playing with Quinny as a as a tall centre forward which it was fantastic a great target man how does Harlan then fit in terms of what you've seen, either when you were playing the game or now when you're watching from the sidelines? He's a beast, isn't he? He's just he's just different. He's a different different grade. He's just he's got it all. His pace, his timing. It's like you, know, you you usually see a lot of players who are quick, and they haven't got a brain. This he's got everything, and uh, obviously his dad was a professional footballer, so he's been coached along all the way. But and the good thing about him. There's no two sides to him. He's a nice person, isn't he? Everyone gets on with him. He's not big-headed. And I think he's dead down to earth. He, he's a player that I'd love to have played with. And uh, listen, he's going to have his little quiet spells. But, you know, if you if you uh, have a pop at him, he, he's not going to come back and go, well, I'm this, that, the other. He'll just do his talking by putting the ball in the back of the net. Obviously, you've mentioned Rodri and, and clearly you're a fan of his. Is he... The key player to you for City because when he was absent, um, we lost a couple of games. Yeah. And if you look at his record for for twelve or twelve months, every game he played, he didn't lose a single fixture. So is yeah. he the key player? Amazing player, yeah. Um, when there was the, all the talk of City uh, <clears throat> going in for Declan, <clears throat> excuse me, and then obviously Arsenal were the favourites, and then I thought to myself, they couldn't play Rice and, and Robbery together in there uh, because the Similar type of players, and then when you were, when you were summing up the two players, to me, Rodri's a better player than Declan Rice is. So it, it'd be foolish to go to City because he would he wouldn't be guaranteed. And the way how big the squad is, and like the way Pep rotates and things like that, 
you know, Kevin De Bruyne is so important to them. Um, and the last, the last this season and, and the last couple of seasons, he's been injured a lot, hasn't he? So, but he always seems to come back, and he's quality. And you know, I always love little Phil Foden. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's just going to get better and better. You could almost look down on Phil Foden. You might be might have found a player that it's taller than. Well, I was always the smallest, and it's like it's like this. But you know, my time at City, I, I loved it, and I think you know that season. Um, you know, when I joined, there were nine points adrift at the bottom of the league. Nine points was a lot at Christmas, and uh, I always remember Howard saying, um, "I need a team full of scousers to keep them up." Um, and it, you know, the city's fans don't like that, but. At the end of the day, I had done a great job, and he got all the lads in that could do the job there. And then, and there was a great, uh, there was a great part of the team, a youthful side of the team, some great youth, youthful players, and he just got some of the, uh, like you say, the scouts, and he knew how to play a bit and, and mix it, mix it up with them. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later on a bit more about your career, and there'll be other topics that come up. But for now, just let me ask you this: I mean. City won five trophies last year, of course. Fantastic season. Do you think they're capable of repeating the treble this season as we stand here now at the end of February? It's going to be a big ask. Um, but I wouldn't put it past them because the quality that they've got, they're an, an amazing squad of players and they, they proved that last season. And when you've got the likes of Haaland up front, uh, and, you know, there's, there's, I know Pep was saying in, in, in a press conference, don't... Don't have a go at him because he, he'll, you know, make you eat your words, really. Um, and I, I, you'd be foolish to do that. But to me, if, they, if they'd done the treble, that would be an amazing feat. It would be because on the back of what they did last season. But I wouldn't put it past them. I, I think they'll definitely win the Premier League, definitely. Andy, obviously you would have been at the game against... I'm assuming you were at the game against Bournemouth. I know Toby was, so we'll speak to him in a second. But, you know, what, what's your general view on the way City are playing at the moment? I mean, they're not putting the goals in like Arsenal uh, or, to, to be honest, Liverpool most of the time. But they are scraping through victories. And, and obviously, when I talk to fans after the game for the vlog that I do, the conclusion they always seem to come to at the moment in the last two or three games has been... We got it done. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't the best, but we got it done. So where are you in your head in terms of where City are with these huge games coming up in March? Um, I'm with the the group that's just happy that we've come away with the points. Really, I think the last uh, the last games, it's clear the goal difference has started to widen between our main uh, competitors and, and ourselves. And that's that's a concern if it, if it's uh, you know if it's April, but it's not April, it's still February. So I think there's there's room, and we've got to play both our nearest rivals as well. And it's it's got to be you know in those games that we take max points. Really, I think we've got to do the damage then and not worry about goal difference. We've got players coming back, um, and some of them are coming back with strength. You know. Talk about Rodri. Uh, just, just wanted to say that the Chelsea game last weekend, um, he's getting targeted like Erling is getting targeted by the opposition. Gallagher spent his first half wrestling him. He got rid of him second half, and we got the goal. And I think Haaland's having the same attention. He's got one centre half having ten minutes, then another one having ten minutes, and the referees are not protecting him. So I think they know where to hurt City. Um, where to where to target the players that are on the pitch, 
um, which, you know, thankfully we've got players like Bernardo yesterday, John Stones, who came, you know, looked like he's coming back to his best. Uh, Foden's just showing that he can play in that middle role. And I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he uses him and De Bruyne now uh, for the for the remainder of the season. So I think we're okay. I, I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, it's frustrating being one nil up and then the other team come at you and, you know, your heart's in your mouth. But I, I think we haven't peaked early. Maybe others have. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that we've left the Christmas Cup in Merseyside and won the league. Uh, it might be London this year. So I'm not overly concerned because basically if we're still in those wing mirrors, we're the worst worst thing you can look at. And um, so, yeah, I'd love us to be banging in three or four and, and just enjoying the football. I think Erling's not getting enough space uh, the ball in front of him. I think that's the only thing missing. We seem to be a bit slow bringing the ball out um, and getting congested. Uh, so there's, you know, the, the release goal against Everton, I think, was the only one I can think of recently where he's had a chance, uh, a one-on-one, -on -one and he finished it beautifully. So, no, I'm not overly concerned. Uh, I, th I think that we're in good, good place in the league and obviously we're in cup competitions where we're expected to get through both of the next phases, um, and I think we will. And then we'll see who we draw, and we'll make a, an assessment of it then. But March is going to be a tough month. We know who we've got, um, and they'll rise to it, I'm sure. And we know where the bogey is. And it's uh, it's across the River Mersey here. Um, and that's the one that I think that's going to matter. And hopefully their injuries will still be uh, affecting their performance and if they want to put a bunch of kids out against us, that's fine. How does it feel for you, Mark, given that you are, I know you're a, an Evertonian at heart, as well as having been a former City player, and I know you, you care a lot about City. When you're watching what's going on in Liverpool, and uh, you know what what do you make of, of them? They, they've obviously won the Carabao Cup. You know, oh. the clock's going. Um, where are they? Are they seriously going to stop City this season? I know you seem fairly confident City will stop them. No, I'm a great believer uh, if someone's going to beat City for the title, it's going to be Arsenal. I think they've improved dramatically, like I said, since Declan's gone there. And yeah, you don't have to look at the results that they've been getting, banging the goals. And But it's like this, sometimes, you know, City won it last year and they've been so consistent over the, the last few years. You know, uh, teams will look at them and it's it's interesting what I just what he just said there about Haaland. He's the main danger, and they'll be working all week, you know, to try and you know look at his, his the way he plays and everything else, and try and you know distort him and stop him get stop him getting the ball. But he's one of them players that sometimes doesn't get a kick at the, of, a, of a ball, but he, he he gets them chances and he puts them away. That's how important he is. Now, goal difference, I wouldn't even be looking at it now because if you win the games. You don't need goal difference, so I'm sure Pep has got something up his sleeve because he's he's an unbelievable coach. And when things aren't going well or not as well as 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 the past, he always seems to find the answers, doesn't he? Where are you, Toby, in terms of City at the moment? I know you were 
I saw you down at Bournemouth. Um, uh, what, what are you thinking uh, in terms of the performances that City are putting in? Are they have any concern or is that just a case of get these games done with their eye on the big games to come? No, I think it's three points is three points. I think um, I saw your your vlog yesterday and the the uh, the title City Coast to another win, and I don't think it quite went like that. Um, I have I think... to say, by the way, in my defence, because a few <laughs> people pointed it out that the reason I used that pun, yes, was because yeah, it was being played on the uh, south yeah. coast. It wasn't yeah. to do with the performance. No, but I, I, I got I it. got that, but maybe you could have saved it for Brighton if we win three 0 like that one. That <laughs> might be a. That might be a save for that one. But no, look, Andy said it. We we love being the hunters and we we've we've proved it in, and I've I said this before, we we've we've proved it in, in seasons gone by against Liverpool as well. And by the way, we've never needed goal difference in those seasons. It's always been one little point, one excruciating little point, Liverpool fans, by the way. Um, both times we've come up against them and it's been that tight. Um so we, we know that it's not about blasting teams away we've made the mistake before of um trying to go at it every single game and win every game five nil get over 100 goals and we've done it before and and he knows now that pep knows that you can't be sustainable in every competition while scoring five goals in every single premier league game it's just not the amount of games they play you know two games a week up until basically up until may it's just, it's just not sustainable like they the players can't take it um so the, the way we play, you know, get the ones and twos. Um, yes, it leaves us on the edge of our seat. And, and you know, especially yesterday when they had a header and I don't know who it was that that, that missed the header in the 89th minute. And, you know, you sit there and you, and you watch it and it almost sort of goes into slow motion and, and he misses and, and you just think it's in. It's a goal. It's 1-1 and we've dropped another two points. But we, 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 we rode our luck a little bit there. Um, we probably should have had another couple as well in that game in the first half. But there's no concern, I don't think, in, in terms of the performances. Um, I think what we know when to switch it on. If if we're struggling to get points in March, if we were to struggle against Manchester United, if we were to lose at Anfield, that would then be a problem because we've then lost in the crucial games. But we know, we know what we have to do. And Andy obviously said get maximum points against Liverpool and Arsenal. I think if I'd I'd snap your hand off for a draw at Anfield now, I always do. And then Arsenal's the big one. And, you know, they've bottled it against us before and I'm sure they will do exactly the same thing again. I'm hoping anyway, um, not to be too confident. But um, yeah, at the moment, I'm I'm fairly relaxed. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, it, it sounds bad to be relaxed and, and, and when it's this t close because it, it sounds like we're, we're taking, it for, uh, taking advantage of it. But, you know, we've been in these title races, like I say, and we know what it's like, and and we're scraping these wins, and but that's how we've done it before. So I'm 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 not too concerned for now. It will be the next sort of few results. Um, in terms of Haaland, I think he's obviously had a bad patch, but again, said it last week, he's a victim of his own success. He's he was amazing last season. He scored what how what was it, fifty two goals or something last season, or fifty over fifty goals, whatever it was, ridiculous amount of goals last season. So everyone assumes that he has two or three games where he doesn't score a goal, and it's like what. Happened to Haaland, but it's like, well, actually, you know, look at other strikes in the Premier League. Harry Kane, when he was in the Premier League, went through similar patches. He he never scored in August, for God's sake. You know, you get um Ollie Watkins now as well. Solanke's not scored, who, who's been one of the most on form strikers of late, has, hasn't scored for a few games. All strikers go through patches where they don't score goals, but because it's Erling Haaland and because he scored a ridiculous amount of goals last season, 
it's, oh, he hasn't scored a goal for a couple of games. So what's going on? Is he going through a rough patch? So he's a young kid. He's, um, I mean, he's my age. So, um, you know, he'll pick it up and he'll he'll score the goals when we know we most need him to. So I'm not too concerned. And, and obviously, if we can keep picking up three points uh, like we did yesterday, then no no concerns for now. How does psychology affect footballers, Mark? You've you've played at the top level of of the game. Um, you know, can can players lose confidence? I mean, we watch him from the sidelines. You know, sort of just a, don't think of them as human beings. But how, how does how does the psychology of football affect? How did it affect you? To be honest, uh, I always remember uh, Kendall was a great manager for me and in all his time for City, and I went to Everton. And he's, he is one of his things was. The first thing you'd ever do on the pitch, make sure it's the right thing. If it's a throw-in or whatever, make sure it goes to a, a blue shirt. And I'd just try and ping it the, in the first couple of, well, first minutes of ping a ball from 30 yards because we were always that confident. And he, he'd be turning, well, he didn't have any air, but he'd be like jumping up and down and because he knew I, I didn't have any fear. Now, City have got so many players like that. And I've just been looking there at the, the goal difference. You know, you're talking about goal difference. There's, there's only two goals between the goals against Colin. So, you know, defensively, the three sides that are in for the for the championship, Liverpool, City and Arsenal, there's nothing between them there. Now, usually, I think City haven't they haven't done as well defensively as as the previous seasons. They can tighten up a little bit more. And I've always said this, the, the team usually that concedes the least goals will win the division. It's not just about scoring, you know, it's about... And I'd be happy, you know, Pep would be so happy not conceding yesterday or coming away with three points, one nil. You know what I mean? It's it's like you can have so much so much of the play. I've watched games down at West Ham this season. 83% Tottenham had against West Ham. They got beat 3-1. It's just, you know, the games the games can be turned over. It's a, it's a very dangerous league. And I can see points being took off the top three, you know, right the way through to the end of the season. West Ham Tottenham is probably a really good example because it's been right in the newspaper column today, which will get yeah. published next week, talking about the way that City control games is by having 83% possession or something like that. And I actually wrote in the article that Spurs are one of the teams that have found a way to beat City because they have usually Son up front, who is electric on the counter-attack. Is that where City are most vulnerable? Because, of course, next weekend they play United and United are known at the moment for their strength. I know they have ups and downs. I know they lost to Fulham at the weekend. But if they've got one strength, it's the counter-attack, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. And you're right about Tottenham. And United are dangerous on the counter-attack. And, uh, you know, sides that will be looking to play against City, they'll be looking to, you know, you've got you've to gotta give them possession. Because if you go out and play, you're going to get destroyed. So, like, I watch West Ham every week and David Moyes concedes possession all the time. And it was only a matter of time where they were going to get slammed a few games, and they have done recently because you can't keep on giving possession away 80% like uh, every week and getting away with it because a side will turn you over. But with, with City, you know, you look at the danger man and uh, they'll, they'll just be trying to stop him scoring goals. But I think he's just a great player and, uh, you know, he's going to have a quiet spell. And if he just gets his, his act together, I think, you know, we'll start banging him in again. I don't know if you agree with this, Andy, but I think Haaland suits counter-attacking, actually. And if City were more counter-attacking, I think he he would love that. If, if he was being threaded balls through by Kevin De Bruyne or um, Phil Foden or whoever it might be, 
um, I think he would absolutely relish that and the, what they call the low block of teams sitting back and defending, which I don't actually blame teams like Everton at the moment, Brentford um, or Bournemouth for sitting very deep like that. Doesn't help Erling Haaland in that sense, does it? Because I think he, he prefers to run onto things, doesn't he? Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I think that he's only able <clears throat> to, to, to benefit from from that skill if we're prepared to, you know, ping a ball from the edge of our penalty area once in a while. And I just don't think there's a great deal of uh, desire from the way that Pep wants the team to play to do that. It's very rare you see somebody looking up, you know, Fernandinho would have had a field day. Um, we don't really see much of that from Rodri. It tends to still be, you know, pushing out the ball out to the wings. If we do go quickly, you usually see Doku uh, flying down the left with the ball. Um, and then, quite quite honestly, uh, I don't get out of my seat as much as I did when he first joined us because I think the end product started to sort of become predictable because he's, he's another victim of his early success. <clears throat> and he's got two players on him, and one of them's like with Grealish sitting in to stop him from coming back onto the the other foot. So, I think if you're going to use Erling in the, in the breakaway, we've got to be prepared to chance a few passes through the transitions and just and just give him the legs on, on a defender. Because I think if you were a centre half with with Erling and his windmill arms going, you'd probably uh, take a look at where you were going to be if if we put one or two balls through. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I think it's something we underutilise, to be honest. And from time to time, I can get a bit frustrated watch, watching us not do that, uh, and then he gets stuck in traffic when everybody's in in their seats on the bus, and um, and then he's usually got a minder on him and somebody pinching him or kicking him and whatever. So yeah, it, you know, far be it from me. Um, the manager knows how how to to get the best out of the team, but. I just think that occasionally you want to surprise uh, players you're playing against and, and, and we haven't really done a great deal of that since he's returned. You mentioned Doku, though. When, when he first came in, you're quite right, made a big impact. And I likened him to the first time I saw young Peter Barnes come into the City team. Now, I know a lot of younger listeners won't, won't have that memory uh, like I'm lucky to have because I'm old enough to remember him. But when he first came in, Peter was like a breath of fresh air. I mean, he just took everybody on. Uh, and then after about 18 months, took a little longer then perhaps because in them days we didn't have the video analysis and the blanket television coverage. So maybe it took defenders a little longer. You know, each each defender had to play against him before they got what he was all about and they started doubling up. And then as soon as he started to kick him a bit, um, he had to adapt his game. He became a very good crosser of a ball, but he didn't have that freedom and that that skill that he had earlier on in his career. Now, Mark, you've been a winger. You know, you you had, you know, your own set of skills. When you look at Doku, do you think that he is a talent that will adapt and change? Or as I mean, I've seen City fans, one or two, saying they've sussed him out. He's a one-trick pony. How, how do you assess Doku? He's had a good start, but it's like anything. Good players or great players are consistent, and like consistency is, is the key here. And uh, I think he, he was devastating in the early part of the season. So, like I say, clubs will be looking at him, looking at his strengths and his weaknesses. Um, I remember, like I, I signed for City, 
and Howard said, I'm playing in the middle with Reedy because David White's on the wide right. He said, uh, this kid's, he's electric. Um, and then I, I would have put me on the left. Now, I think with Doku, whether he could sw switch him, uh, his, his talent is there. But, you know, you've got to look at his mental strength as well, whether he's he's going to adapt to the Premiership, uh, you know, for the full season. Because that's what makes the players. The great players are the consistent ones and the ones that can change and adapt to, you know, different, different uh, you know, different grounds, different teams that they play against. Um, but I think he's got the talent. He's, he's a very, very good player. So do you, when you're, because you're a former winger, do you get excited watching wingers more than anybody else? Yeah, yeah. When you, uh, like I've, I've watched Bowen, who's who's very good, and he's become a striker because the West Ham have got no one up front. Uh, and I always sit when I'm watching games and look at the position that I used to play in wide right, uh, and then I played on the left quite a bit. But I'd look, uh, I'd look and think, what would I have done with the ball there uh, in that position? Would I have? Would I have crossed it early? Would I have took somebody on? So yeah, I do. I do. I don't. I wouldn't say I would get excited, but I do put myself in the position of that player who I'm looking at. How do you feel about Doku, Toby? I mean, you know, <laughs> we get to see him quite close up when you're in the stand because he certainly for 45 minutes anyway, because he's obviously on our side wherever you are. Um, what do you make of him? Uh, I think I think Andy's right um, in what he says. I think a bit like Harlan, he's a victim of his very early success. He came in and very much hit the ground running, which we we've seen is a very difficult thing to do in a, in this Manchester City team. We've seen players um, like Mares um, take a season to really adapt to the team and how to play with it. And I honestly thought that Doku was going to be similar because of his play style, because of. Um, how he likes to play, he likes to to cut in, tries to go around players. I thought it was going to take him a while to really understand that. Same with Grealish as well. Um, so uh, it's it's amazing to see him come in and hit the ground running. But yeah, like Andy says, I think he's um, his end product in the last since the turn of the year really um, hasn't been amazing. But there's there's time with him. I think at the start of the season when it, when he started playing, I I said. Um, I've, I've just had, I think he's a mix of of a few players we've had in the past. I think he's got a little bit of everything. He's got the um, he's got the the pace and the the dribbling almost uh, of Sane, uh, then the the skill of Mares, touch of Mares, uh, a little bit of Sterling in there with a the pace as well. Just a mix of those three players. He's he's quick, um, he's agile, he's skillful. Uh, he's he's got a lot about him, and he's he's got a, a lot of potential in a City shirt. I think, um, and you know, like I say, like you look at the early games. Uh, I think he came on against West Ham, um, one of his first games uh, at halftime, and we were one 0 down, and he scored the equaliser, which which really got us going. And players like that really kick on a team. I think you know it, it woke us up in that second half, and and you know if, if we can have more of that, especially in the in the critical parts of the of the season towards the end, then that would be amazing, um, and that would that would really kick us on. I think. But there's still a lot of time for him. He's still a young player and he's still developing. So I, I like him, but his, his end product and um, that way he does in the final third, I think needs to improve. But as I say, there's time for that. We've seen at City, Leroy Sane play on the left, a left-footed player. We saw Sterling playing on the right for a while as a right-footed player. Uh, and I, I'm a bit, you know, old-fashioned. I quite like right-footed right-wingers and left-footed left-wingers. But Pep's possession-based football tends to use more inverted wingers. Now, you, Mark, 
played principally in your career on the right as a right-footed player. But as you say, you played on the left too. What, what do you think of inverted wingers and the way that, that modern football has gone much more in that direction than the outside right with the right foot and the outside left with the left foot? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, obviously, I, when I played at Oldham, Joe Rose, Sammy, and I was a winger there, and then I went to West Ham. So that was the position I made myself, and that was the game for four seasons. So, you know, consistency is the key, I think. And uh, when you're a wide player, you, you're only as good as your last, you know, delivery, really. You know, you can do all the, you know, all the tricks in the world, but if, if your ball doesn't go anywhere, if it goes behind the goal or it keeps on missing the striker, it's all about your quality, your end product, and... Uh, I worked on that, you know, tirelessly. And I always remember Howard was a great coach and I always go back to him. And uh, I remember we played, uh, I was playing for Everton and we, we were going to Old Trafford. So Kinchelskis was at, at uh, Man United and he was on fire. So he said, I would said, I'm playing wide right, uh, sorry, wide left. And Alan Harper would be the left fullback. So that's two right-footed players playing on the left side. And he said, because all Kinchelskis is doing is coming inside just show him outside and let's see how good he is because he doesn't do it. So we worked on it all week in training and he said, one thing you'd be doing when he comes inside, but don't let him, you'd be tackling on your good leg. So uh, it was a famous victory anyway. Kinsella took off after 22 minutes. We, we showed him down the line. We were robbing the ball off him and uh, Fergie took him off and we beat him 3-0. So, you know, them days are gone, I think, where, you know, you can suss the danger man out because I think that... The, the teams now, there's the, a the danger all over. The quality's there. But I think, you know, to play what wide left or right, it didn't really matter to me because that's just the, the honest player I was. I just was going to give it me all. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to, I couldn't cross the ball with my left foot. You know, I was told, don't go down the left because you can't. You're not very good. Come inside and put the cross in. You know what I mean? With your, other, with your right foot or come inside and, and pull the trigger. Because I used to like a, a, a shot every now and again. In recent years, the player, the City winger, who has managed to do go on the other side and use his weaker foot was Adam Johnson, I thought. I mean, he, yeah, yeah. he could use his right foot a little bit. Um, and, and obviously on the left-hand side, we've been talking about Doku. Um, if Grealish was fit, it would be, really, it would be Doku or Grealish playing on that left-hand side. And you, you've given us a great insight there. That's a, a great way of thinking about what, what we're talking about with the Kanchelskis and the way he was dealt with. And Grealish, you know, goes down the left-hand side. He's a right-footed player, but almost always keeping possession, which is another mm. one is very important to Pep, turns back onto his right foot and plays it to somebody on the edge of the box or plays it backwards. And that's quite a common thing. Now, I'm sure Pep loves the fact that he keeps possession, but is the reason why Grealish is not as effective, arguably, as he was when he was at Villa and he was given a freer role because he's being forced inside all the time. And should he should he be playing in a different position to get the best of him? Yeah, that's right. You know, the opposition will look at him and, and look at his strengths. Like the the little winger at Arsenal excites me. Saka, is it? Uh, and you know what he's going to do. You know, he, he drops his shoulder, come, and the amount of goals he scores coming inside. And it's like... They'll, you know, the, the teams that will be playing against them will say, listen, don't let him come inside, don't let him come inside. But sometimes the quality of the player gets the better and it's like, uh, you know, some of the some of these managers have got to put, you know, double up or whatever. So if you double up on a on a real 
uh, important, dangerous player, you're gonna you're gonna be sparse somewhere else. So it's like a chess game, really. But uh, you know, players going inside or outside, it's and at the level that they're playing with at City now, you know, it's just a matter who's who's good on the day, as far as I'm concerned. I bet the, the best illustration I can think of what you just talked about now was Thierry Henry when he was at Arsenal. Right-footed, played on the left. Um, and it, it, you could even say Messi, I suppose, on the opposite flank. You know, that you, they, they played on the opposite side um, and came in. And even though you knew exactly what they were going to do, they could yeah. still do it pretty much every time. And yeah. Salah at Liverpool as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just one of them. You know, when you've got brilliance at that level, it's very hard to stop. And uh, that one coincidence with Kanchaskas, you know, it, I would, I would tell me to Mark, yeah, Mal being a derby, which was the easiest thing in the world because he couldn't run. But and I, I, I let him go. It was a nil-nil, nil-nil draw the derby. Let him go out his sight for one second, and Liverpool nearly scored. So you know, that's the level that you've, you've got to do. You know, you've got to play it. Just while, while we're having a little reminisce here, just tell me uh, the happiest memory you have from your time at City, Mark. Oh, God. Uh, well, for me, just to go there, it was like I always wanted to... Howard was very successful in the 80s. You know, the, the Everton side in the 80s, and like I've always been an Evertonian, and I was at, at Everton, and at 18, they let me go. And Howard actually arrived the day when I was getting released, and he, he, he did say... You know, um, are we right about this kid? I was always tiny. I'm still not big enough. They said I still wouldn't be big enough. But, you know, for me to come back to City, um, sorry, to play for Howard at City, that was the most important thing for me, to come back up north. Um, really, it was a big surprise Howard to go to City from Spain, where he just come back from. And when I sat with him in the boardroom with Peter Reid, and uh, it was, it was it Peter Swales, was it? the old chairman, he was there. And uh, we just sat there and I just listened to Howard and um, his belief that all the young players that he had, because the, the young players were great players, by the way, Lakey, David White, the Brightwells, uh, Redo, you know what I mean? He, he, he was so excited. And and for me, it's just to be involved back up north and playing um, under Howard Kendall, that was, that was what all that mattered to me. What was it like playing at Main Road? Brilliant. I remember on my first uh, my debut against Millwall, he put me centre mid and that Terry Erlock was playing the, the hard case. Well, he thought he was an hard case until Reedy got hold of him. And we, I think we beat them 3-0. But uh, I, I did get a bit of stick because I think Bishop and Morley were fav- big favourites at the club. Um, and uh, I said to Howard, he said, I said, Howard, do you need a team full of scouts? As he said. I said, but you're letting the scouts go that way. And he went to me, he can't do what you can do, son. I said, I know he can't. That means Bishop. I always talk about Bishop. Listen, two for one, who's the better player? So uh, it, it riles the, the two of them, but I know who's the better. Was there anything that you remember from your time at City that you regret or, um, you know, you look back on, you know, thinking, well, that, that wasn't the best of times or is it just all good times for you at City? But, but I wasn't there that long and for us to, to for our team, we've kept them kept them up and then we were doing very, very well in the second season. And it, it would only be one club that he'd have left for and that was Everton. I always remember him standing in front of everybody with Tony Book saying, this man is Man City and I'm Everton Football Club. And 
I think it was a big decision for them to leave because we were doing really well. And he'd got a good squad of players. All the young lads had we'd integrated well. And it was an exciting time to be playing at City. And, uh, you know, I think he'd done a great job. And, uh, you know, it was a stepping stone for me to go back to the club that I loved. I've got to tell you this story. I mean, I, at the time I was doing some work for a, a company called Club Call. Uh, you, 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 you rung a number. Yeah, yeah, I remember and um, they sent it. So obviously, I'm a City fan. I was I was covering City all the time. But they said to me, "There's a press conference taking place at Goodison Park, and we haven't got anybody to go. Can you go, please? They're unveiling their new manager." So I went along there, sat in the press room, and uh, unlike modern football, where there's always a whisper and you always know what's going to go on, I'm sitting there, and none of us in that press room knew what was going to happen. And out from behind the curtain came the current Manchester City manager, as I thought, Howard Kendall, to say, I'm taking over mm -hmm. as the new Everton manager. And you could have knocked everybody over. Yeah. It was like an absolute stunner. But you, you obviously knew because you, he already told you as a player. Well, he's got us all together, hadn't he? So, you know what I mean? And I, and I was, I think a lot of the players, you know, when a, play, a manager signs you, and because when you think he was only there, what, 18 months, two years. So, um. You know, it was a big surprise, and but really taking over, it was just like, you know, he was my midfield partner, and now he's the the player manager, and you know, all the lads love Reedy, and I think they just uh, done the best under him as well. Absolutely. Well, obviously we we've lost uh, Howard Kendall now. Still see Reedy, yeah. about it, so he's he's a real character. He is. Um, yeah, obviously we've got the, the the derby coming up. Just before we talk about the derby, there's Luton Town in the FA Cup. I just wonder, uh, Toby and Andy, what your feelings are now. I mean, City have played Luton earlier in the season and, and won there. Um, since then, in theory, Luton have got a little bit better, although they're still in the bottom three. Uh, and City know that the derby is, is a week away and Liverpool soon after that. So I'll preempt it by saying I don't think we'll see Kevin De Bruyne in that game down at Luton. Um, and I wonder if there might be other changes as well. And I wonder where your priorities as fans are and what your expectations are from that Luton game. I know you said, Andy, before, you see no reason why City can't progress in the Cups, which you're talking about Copenhagen with a 3-1 advantage from the, the away leg. Are you as confident then about this Luton game as you are about Copenhagen and, and where City are going to go in the next round, of, you know, going to get through to the next round of the Champions League? Well, I bet Mark's hoping that Luton think it's a really important game because every Evertonian wants them to, you know, put their <laughs> strongest yeah. side out. Um, so I think we've got to look at it from Luton's point of view as well. Um, I, I think it's a game that ends on the night. So from that point of view, it's a job that we can we can get done. Obviously, was there for the um, the earlier game. So we'll all be having uh, watching the lady in the bath as we go in. Uh, again. <laughs> Just to explain, by the way, to anybody who's wondering what you're talking about here, uh, you have to to go into the away end at Luton Town at Kenilworth Road. You you go basically through a house. It's not quite what Andy's suggesting. You can't see into the bathroom and see the woman in the bath, but it does feel a little bit like that. You're going through somebody's garden to get into the stand, aren't you? Yeah, and it's you know it's a night game and it's a bigger a bigger allocation. It's unreserved seating, so it'll be raucous. And um, yeah, there's a bit of old school about that, which uh, we like. And and it's not a surprise the way they play, and we know where their strengths are. 
we've played them once and former Evertonian there in the middle, he's having a decent season um, and he's their key man, so maybe they'll rest him as well. Who knows? When, when Andy talks about raucous behaviour there or atmosphere from the fans, come on, Mark, what's it? Does it make a difference to you as a player when it's like that? It does, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's like an example. The prime example for that is uh, West Ham going from Upton Park, which was the tight one of the tightest grounds, and it, you know until it's gone, you don't realise how much you miss it. And uh, as a player, it was great to play in there because they used to have the chicken run on the other side of the pitch where you run out. And I always remember Alden Martin, the captain of Scouser, England player, great, great captain, great player. And he goes, he didn't know the type of player I was. And he goes, listen, see over there, that's called a chicken run. And honestly, God, when you took a corner there, you had one stride to knock the ball in. And you could you could smell the breath of all the fans on your, on your, the back of your, your neck. It was unbelievable. And he said, that the chicken run will either make you or break you. He said, they will, they will see... Because they were that close to the, you know, to the the arena, to the the pitch, it's unbelievable. So they go from there to a, a athletic stadium, the London Stadium. No atmosphere. You're about sixty meters from where you sat, and I always get a decent seat. So from where you're sat to where the touchline is, you know, if you've got to take measure out, it's about sixty meters away. It's a horrendous place. So Luton Town, and I've seen the uh, the bathroom and the the, the house and all that. That is, you know, some of the City players, you know, would never have experienced a, a stadium like that, I'm telling you now, some of the foreign ones. So they'll be up for it. And, you know, their fight is to stay in the Premier League. And uh, I think City have got a big enough squad. They can rest the top ones and, and, and get out there and get a result. So does that encourage you then, Toby? I mean, I think, is it your first visit to Kenilworth Road? I know you're going to the game on Tuesday night. You can be that extra, that 12th man in that yeah. crowd, in the chicken run, getting the team going. So you can make the difference, Toby. That's a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I live 10 miles from the stadium and it's my first ever. It's like literally the closest stadium in the Premier League to where I live. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's, it's going to be good fun. I've obviously seen the videos and the pictures and everything and, and heard other fans' experiences from the first time we all went there and, and you know, looking over into someone's garden for, for the away end. So, uh, no, it's, it's going to be good. Um, we'll rest. I think it's pet roulette in the cups, isn't it? Like, you know, we, it'll be it'll probably be no no Harlem, no, no De Bruyne, like you say, and probably Alvarez, um, maybe Doku, depending who's back and as, as well. As long as Rodri's starting, because because we don't do no Rodri starting, we we have to, he has to be starting. We don't we don't win games if Rodri's not not there. Um, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's um I think I said it before. Um, I think last season there was a special little bond between the the fans and between the players, and I'm hoping I think there's that's continued. But I think I'm hoping that improved a lot towards the end of last season, especially. Um, and I'm hoping that that really does the same thing again this season because it really drove the players on I think and and you know like Mark says um you it's not obviously never been a player but if if it really makes that difference at grounds like Luton where it's small it's it's tight um it will really really make the difference to the players and Pep said it before those those away fans he absolutely loves so yeah let's see Toby, in the last, you're a young fan. Just to make that clear to anybody who doesn't know, I think when Mark, really? when we first connected, Mark said you looked about twelve. So um, obviously you. I'll are take a that as a compliment. I mean, <laughs> I, 
So uh, uh, this is just the, the question about you know, you've been lucky because not only have you seen a great city team winning all the time, but you have been you've been all around Europe. I know you've been all around Europe with City, been to all the Premier League games, and you have been lucky to be sat in the Emirates in Tottenham's new ground. You know all these fantastic stadiums, obviously the Etihad, and now you're going to see City in a stadium which is a throwback to the sixties yeah. to the seventies. Unreserved seating, as Andy says, uh, there'll be pillars in, in no the toilet crew. roll, no toilet roll. Oh, yeah, there's no toilet roll, that's true. No yeah, that, play, yeah, yeah, you won't even know what we're talking about, though, Toby, will you? They used to throw to toilet rolls from the from, from the stands. Can you imagine that? Yeah, and as we both know, uh, the, the, the corporates done in the local conservative club, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What, what are you expecting, Toby? Are you going to enjoy this just, or are you dreading it? Just just quickly, does anyone want to buy a Luton away ticket? <laughs> yeah. You'll enjoy it. The atmosphere will be great. It will be no, I, I love it. And, and it's those away games are amazing. Like that, those little, yeah. as I say, close atmospheres, it's great. And yeah. I've, I've done, a, I've got locals here. I, gotta, I go to a few Watford games because a lot of my mates are Watford fans because um, yeah. they, you know, actually support their locals, um, unlike me. Um, so, um, I go to a few Watford games with my mates for away games, so I get championship um, away days. So I know what it's like in that way, but the, I'm really looking forward to it. In, you know, a night game. I think I was gutted when I didn't get a ticket for the uh, for the for the Premier League game earlier on in the season, and um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm over the moon to be going this time, and I I, I cannot wait. It's going to be such a good atmosphere. Um, and City, I mean, the City away fans. I, I, I'm you know a lot of people won't agree uh, for the fans of the other clubs let's say but I, I think we've got the best away fans in the league in my opinion we we, we rock up every single away game we absolutely go for it it's amazing it, and it really and you can tell it really spurs the players on and and it's gonna it's gonna be the same on Tuesday and as I say I, I can't wait for it the back of that pretty much is the Manchester derby at the Etihad and that will be uh, uh, also a tingling sensation. You know, the crowd will be up for it and everything. Mark, you, you know, what's it like playing in a Manchester derby? Brilliant. You know, it's just, listen, I played in a London derby, a Birmingham derby, a Manchester derby, and a Merseyside derby. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to have played in all the big cities and obviously scoring for Everton against Liverpool in a derby. That was special. And we won that game. But I always remember we're playing at Old Safford and we, we'd had a bite to eat at Main Road, and then we got on the bus to go there. We went through all the streets, and Howard was in good form. And uh, I think that day we drew, but we played really, really well. And listen, derby games, whether it's a London, Manchester, or Merseyside, the the great, you know, the great uh, games to play in. And I, I love playing in the big games as well, and uh, extra special. Uh, it was just uh, every tackle was meant and. I think the game's changed a little bit because in our day you could you know you could you could get your foot in and you could you know rattle players and like Howard would say to me, Go on, get out there in the second half and make things happen. So you just make a tackle and before you know the game's changed on on, on the tackle. Now it's not as you know, it's not as uh, it's not like that anymore. And I think that's what I miss out, out of the game when I look at the game these days. You think City can beat United this time around? Yes, I do. I think I think we can and uh, I think they've just got to go on a, a bit of a run now. And uh, I think, you know, like I said, I've seen a lot of Arsenal. Um, I think they're the main threat, I'll be honest with you. They're banging goals in for fun and uh, they're keeping clean sheets as well. 
So, you know, they're the form team and uh, I think they have they have a, the upper hand over Liverpool, I think, I'd say. Down at Bournemouth, as, as I walked into the ground, fans were gathered around the TV watching the closing moments of Fulham against Manchester United. And when the winning goal for Fulham went in, there was a huge cheer, of course, for yeah. all the City fans. And then they burst into Old Trafford is falling down. Um, the, what went through my mind, as much as I enjoyed that moment, was... Does that mean you? I know they've got a, a cup tie in midweek, like City have. They play Forest, City play Luton. But I just thought, might it have been better, better if they'd got a draw or crawl over the line against Fulham? Are they now going to be even more motivated to try and come and get something at the Etihad? Is, is that how you felt as a player when, you know, as a, as a, as a fan, I've always noticed that, you know, yeah. you don't want to play a team that's just lost in the last game, even though you think in on paper that should actually favour you because they've just lost yeah. to somebody and they should be down. But it's sometimes right. the way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it's like, obviously, Fulham beaten Man United and, uh, the, you know, they played very, very well and deserve to win. So United will be hurting even more now, won't they? So on the back of that, like you say, you'd rather them... Uh, maybe have won the game to be honest because they'll go into the game a bit more relaxed but now their manager and the pressure that they're under the players themselves they know they've got to perform especially in the derby game so you know it can work both ways but listen if City go out and play the way they can it's, there's only one result as far as I'm concerned Most of the time on the vlog Andy and it happened again down at Bournemouth you know what what's going to happen today and I had quite a few of you watched it like 4-0 today 4-1 yeah, yeah. I didn't actually think we would be Bournemouth 4-0 or 4-1. I, I thought it would be a tighter game. Uh, what do you think the mood will be from City fans and what is your mood going into this derby? Andy? Well, yeah. Um, I'll probably be sick in the stomach again still. That doesn't change. Um, yeah. Nerves. It's, uh, there's all sorts of reasons for that. But I've got to be rational and think about how we've actually taken them to pieces at Old Trafford and at, at the Etihad in the last two games. In the in the way the gap the gap is huge, so I'm not really expecting us to blast six goals in like we did last season. If I'm honest, I think that's uh, unlikely. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be tighter than we would like. But I do, I do believe we've got the quality to come through and, and win against them, whatever they throw at us. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, when they build their new stadium, apparently it's going to be near their fan base. So I think it'll be nearer you, Toby, than than it will you, Ian. Um, yeah, you're right there. Uh, and all joking apart, obviously they're on the cusp of of this new uh, co let's copy city. Um, sort of journey. Well, Jim's 71, I think. So I don't think he's going to see it, is he? Let's be honest. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen overnight. No. Um, it, even with all the all the dough in the world, Paris Saint-Germain will tell you that. Um, and, and, and let's be fair, I think what Mark said about Arsenal, I think Arteta demonstrates what matters. And we saw probably the worst performance by an Arsenal team just a couple of seasons ago at City and we battered them. And they've come good. The signings have been good, and their managers. Stuck to his guns, Annie. He? he stuck yeah. to his guns. 
He's, yeah. You know, he's learned so much, and he got rid, he got rid, he got rid of the striker that was destroying the whole dressing room, and it, Angie Bong or whatever his name was got rid of him. That and they never looked back. Yeah, and I think I think United haven't haven't got rid of all their um, bad pennies either, have yeah. they? Um, yeah. And I think that so we should be we should be looking at our strengths and building on them against them, and not worried about them just because they're our neighbours. You know, they're, they're they're not of the same quality. And we should be going into that game um, looking to start quite strongly. I think that's one of the things we've got to do in that game is go out in the game, like in the games at the back end of last season when we took Bayern Munich and Real Madrid to pieces in the first half an hour. Um, that's the kind of quality we need, you know, in that, in that match. And, and I think obviously Anfield's slightly different in that we're away from home, but at home against United, I think we've got to go out. The crowd will be well up for it. As well, it'll be a good result. A good result against United will set you up for the Liverpool game. Then, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a biggest, it's the biggest game since the turn of the year. Yeah, um, and no, I, I I watched actually your vlog, and I too was shaking my head at some of the predictions. To be honest, um, wondering, you know, it was a late kickoff. Maybe if people had been on the apple juice, but <laughs> there was no way it was going to end up with a with a bag full of goals. Bournemouth have been getting stronger yeah. and um, that, is, that is still an old school ground so uh, yeah confident but uh, I don't expect us to railroad them Toby yeah they must be the world's most hated underdogs Man United at this point in their in their uh, <laughs> in their lives let's say like Andy says Derby Day makes me sick to my stomach it's horrible um, uh, you know you guys have felt it where City have been have been the underdogs and you know the noisy neighbours and and I've experienced it in what I can remember really where City have always just been railroading Man United um so it's it's less for me than it is for you guys um in that way but that doesn't mean I I don't feel it as much um uh, look we we had we had the game at Old Trafford this season and I said. Uh, I think I'm, I can't remember if I said it on the vlog or if I said it on the podcast. I think there was a bigger margin between the two teams in the three 0 than there was in the six one when we beat them at Old Trafford in in the in the title winning season. Um, there was an in terms of where the two teams were, there's a much bigger margin. And uh, you you can only if if you're looking at it away from being a City fan, you can only see one result. I think anyway, obviously, but being a City fan and being in that bubble, you go, okay, it's Derby Day, anything can happen. It all goes out the window. Man United are a toxic club from top to bottom. Jim Ratcliffe is saying the right things, but we've seen in the past, not just with Manchester United, but with a lot of clubs and with life generally, that you can say a lot, but it's the actions that follow um, that that really define it. Um you know, there's players there and their, their transfer business is just ridiculous. I mean, they've got players like Anthony, Jaden Sancho. I mean, um, we, we've had other fam family friends here. One of them's a United fan. He was saying, like, if, you know, if, if PSG came in for, for Rashford, um, I, you know, I, I, I'd, take, I'd take the money for him. And I'm sitting there going, this is us. This is his star. This is their star player from five years ago. This is their player that that down PSG and, uh, you know, gotten through and, and it was going to be the next big thing. And now they're saying that they get rid of him for the right money. And I, I just think there's no, there's nothing about them anymore. And like, like Andy says, whether, even if, 
Ratcliffe comes in and, and does all the right things, builds this new stadium and and and, and ch- starts to change things. That does not happen overnight. That will take years and years and years to do. We have set the absolute bar. Every single club wants to do it like we do it. Look at Newcastle. The first thing that the Newcastle owners did is try to copy us. Manchester United are trying to copy us. Even when Ten Hag went in there, he went, you know, he was talking about Pep and the Ergen. So that they're they're minute to us now they're the underdog now they're the noisy neighbors um so they've got to come to us and 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 prove something and i I just can't see them doing that so i'm confident but when i get to sunday i think uh, those nerves will set in i'm sure they'll settle in for all of us before i leave the last word on this podcast to uh, to mark and and big thank you to uh, to all three of you for being on the podcast as usual uh, just a, a a reminder uh, that if you want to get in contact with Counting King, specialists in, in business development, loans, R&D tax credits, they're fantastic at that, I can tell you. I've seen it. This is not just me saying it because they're supporting me. I've seen it. They're very, very good. Look them up, Counting King, Google it. You'll find them on the Salford Keys and get in touch if you've got a business or you're involved in a business. And also thanks to AMR Development. So obviously Andy and Toby, um, Mark Ward, who's been the special guest on this podcast, um, just tell me your final thoughts going into the Manchester derby. I know the Merseyside derby probably means more to you, but you are a former City player and we're on the verge of a Manchester derby that has will have massive significance on what is left of the season. So you tell me your thoughts on that game. Well, listen, United, they'll be coming back off a, a bad result against Fulham, right? So... They know that they can't win the league, but they'll be going out trying to win that game, right? Now, you know, when Fergie was there, he probably wouldn't have to say anything, but this manager, he's got to be start showing his, uh, his worth now. So, But the players themselves, they know how, how important this is. Like, both sets of players, City players, they've got to win this game, Liverpool the week after. But the United players, let's, let's, let's put a spanner in the works here and beat, we can beat... City there at their own ground, you know, it's their season taking off again, isn't it? So that's how important it is for both teams. But I, I believe, I believe in my heart and my head that uh, if City go out there, they'll destroy them. That's the what, rallying call. I wanted to hear from yeah. you, Mark. It's been yeah. great to have you on. Really appreciate Thanks it. Good on again. Um, but thanks very much to, to all, all three of you. Thanks to everybody who listens and subscribes and shares the word and everything and watches the vlog. And, of course, I'll be down at Luton uh, on Tuesday evening uh, doing another one. So next week uh, we've got Rodney Marsh on the uh, the podcast uh, in the debrief after the Manchester derby. So that'll be a cracker. Uh, and hopefully we'll all be happy and singing songs about Old Trafford falling down. But you never know in football. You never know in football. The only thing I can guarantee you is this. It's great to be a blue. Thank you.